And so we're going to get right into it. And it's going to be really important. This is really, really important stuff. Okay, and here's why. Look at this. We're into your sermon notes now if you want to. My emotional health will determine my quality of life. That's quite a statement, but um, it's a true statement as well. See, emotionally healthy people have a high quality of life. And emotionally unhealthy people have a lower quality. And you can say, well, what about all the financial issues that come up even in physical issues, relational things, even in emotionally healthy? Well, yeah, they, they come up, but emotionally healthy people are able to deal with it. Now, actually, the word emotion or emotionally healthy doesn't appear anywhere in the Bible unless you happen to have the message version, okay? Because I have this computer program. I can put in all the versions of the Bible, put in words, find out where they are. The message is the only one that ever uses the word emotion. You won't find it any other place. So what are we talking about when we talk about emotional health? Well, take a look at this. Did a little research, see if you can agree with this. Ready? A useful definition of emotional well-being is offered by the Mental Health Foundation, whoever they are. Here it is. See if, if you resonate. See if this describes you or if this describes who you'd like to be. A positive sense of well-being which enables an individual to be able to function in society and meet the demands of everyday life. People in good mental health have the ability to recover effectively from illness, change, or misfortune. Let's continue. People who are emotionally healthy are in control of their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Notice that word, or that phrase, in control of their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. They can keep problems in perspective. People who are mentally and emotionally healthy have, are you ready? See if this describes you, ready? A sense of contentment, a zest for living, and the ability to laugh and have fun. The ability to deal with stress and bounce back from adversity. A sense of meaning and purpose in both their activities and their relationships. Let's go on. People who are mentally and emotionally healthy also have the flexibility to learn new things and adapt to change, a balance between work and play, rest and activity, the ability to build and maintain fulfilling relationships, self-confidence, and high self-esteem. Do you understand why I say that your emotional health is going to determine your quality of life? Pretty amazing. These positive characteristics of mental health and emotional health allow you to participate in life to the fullest extent possible through productive, meaningful activities and strong relationships. These positive characteristics also help you to cope when faced with life's challenges and stresses. Now I want to give a little word of warning here before we look at the next couple because we also understand things affect our emotional health. Here we go, ready? Even people who have good emotional health can sometimes have emotional problems or even mental illness. Mental illness often has a physical cause, such as a chemical imbalance in the brain. Stress and problems with family, work, or school can sometimes trigger mental illness or even make it worse. However, people who are emotionally healthy have learned ways to cope with stress and problems. They know when to seek help from their doctor or a counselor. About 17 years ago, I, uh, for various reasons, started going through a series of rather severe panic attacks. Anybody ever had a panic attack? Woo! Uh, I had allowed my life to get out of balance, stress, work, everything that was just not right, and suddenly I found myself in the midst of just incredible emotional unhealth. Um, I went to see a counselor, a good friend of mine, and it was just a perfect counselor because he didn't hold my hand, he more, more than slapped it more than anything else, just... 
kind of straightened me out and I uh, was able then to deal with it. But I knew that I needed help. And I went and found it. And Jack Albin, who's now with the Lord, but good friend and a good psychologist, helped me deal with it all. Yeah, even people who are emotionally healthy sometimes have struggles and difficulties. And sometimes those struggles and difficulties have that physical cause. Some of you right now need to be on antidepressants and other things simply because your brain is broken. It is not producing the right amounts of serotonin and other things that it has to do to be able the dopamines to be able to, because you're so chemical. I mean, so many chemical reactions are going on in your brain right now. And it doesn't take much to throw those chemical reactions off. The way you eat, you eat too much sugar, eat too much of these other things can throw those off. But also sometimes our brains aren't producing the right amounts of chemicals. And those people need to seek out help from their physician. And then you go on what we call an antidepressant, which is really most of the time just something to help the brain produce the right amount of chemicals. And if you don't, what happens is you can't think straight, your emotions go crazy. Those happen. Those happen. We're not going to be dealing with that. I'm not a doctor. Well, not a doctor of medicine anyway. And so we're not going to deal with that. You can go see your doctor if you're going through something like that. When we talk about emotional health, we're talking about really who we are inside because it's where we live. Okay, this is a thing. I live in it. Who I am, that's inside me. And that's our emotional health. And the reason this is important is because of this right here. Who we are inside eventually comes out. It does. I mean, if, if, if we're not emotionally healthy, that's going to come out. People will eventually see it. How many of you ever heard the scripture verse that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he? Heard that one? It's actually from the King James, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Other versions will have a different type of uh, translation of that. But let me tell you the story. It's in Proverbs, and it's talking about the fact that there are some people out there who, who will pretend to be nice to you, but they're really not. They're really quite stingy people, and they do things with an ulterior motive. And eventually, you'll see that. This is, what, this is how it puts it in. Um, Don't eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so is he says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. He is inside a selfish, stingy person. And he offers you all this food and all these gifts, but he doesn't really mean it. And eventually it'll come out because who you are inside will come out. Now, what do the experts tell us to do to, to, to increase our emotional health? Well, here it is. Here's this list. Learn to express your feelings in an appropriate way. Think before you act. I like that. Strive for balance in your life. Good advice. Take care of your physical health. Get enough rest. Learn about good nutrition and practice it. Exercise to relieve stress and to lift your mood. Let's go on. Limit alcohol and avoid cigarettes and other drugs. Do things that positively impact others. Enjoy the beauty of nature and of art. Nice. Manage your stress levels. Yeah. Make leisure time a priority. Limit unhealthy mental habits like worrying. And I, I love this one. Get a pet. Okay. <clears throat> Get a pet. You know, I, it's a nice list. As a matter of fact, if you want the list, go ahead and email me, Doug at SalemFirst.com, and, and I'll, I'll send you this list. But the um, problem with the list is it only treats the symptoms, not treating the cause. I mean, these are all good things to do. Go ahead and do them. But they're not really going to get at the actual cause 
of our emotional unhealth. Ready? Write this down. Jesus wants to treat the main cause, and here it is. The cause of my emotional unhealth is my broken human nature. We were not created the way we are right now. We were created originally to be whole and healthy and happy in all of our relationships, physically, emotionally, spiritually. But human beings walked away from God. And when you walk away from the source of that wholeness and health and healthiness, when you walk away from that source, you are left with, well, this. The world is what happens when human beings walk away from God. He didn't intend it this way. He didn't create it this way. It's the mess that we've made in the world and it's the mess that we've made in our own selves. Take a look at this passage right here. The acts of the sinful nature. Now, does, the, does that bother you that we use the word sinful nature? I mean, it's the scriptural word. That's why I'm using it. Broken nature, human nature, whatever you want. Some people are offended by the, the, the word sinful nature. Uh, we're not saying that each one of us is, is a little budding vase of, of evil just kind of bubbling up everywhere. What we're talking about is we're not what we're supposed to be. Our natures are broken because our natures were not in a proper relationship with God and He is the source of all goodness. Okay? He didn't create goodness things and separate from Himself and they said, okay, separate from me, this thing is good. Goodness is in Him. People and things that are in relationship with Him share that goodness. Remove that relationship and, well, you know what you get. Scripture calls it a sinful nature. We call it that, it could be described as just the selfish nature. All of you who are parents know you didn't have to teach your kids to be selfish. They just kind of came out that way. We teach them all of their lives to be loving, giving people because that's not natural. What's natural is what Scripture calls sinful nature. And here it is. Take a look at these things. It says they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Now, let's move into, those are kind of the, 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 the things that we do because of who we are. And here's who we are. This is the emotional state that <clears throat> we're in without... The Lord God, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, emotional unhealth. Who we are inside, broken. And it comes out in drunkenness or and all the other and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is emotional unhealth and every single one of us if we're going to be honest here are going to look at that list and say okay now everything on that list applies to me but you nailed me somewhere sometime inside i become something like that and it's because my nature is broken but now the bible while ever using without ever really using the word emotion or emotional health does describe emotional health. It does describe it because our God is calling us. He's going to help us get there. We'll look at that in just a moment. The Bible describes emotional health in one single word. Stop right there. Don't go any farther. Anybody want to know what that word might be? Anybody want to guess what that word would be? Carson, you're going to give it a try? He's, he's right. I just wanted to put him on the spot. The Greek is irene. The Hebrew is shalom, peace. It's called inner peace. It's when inside 
mentally, you're at peace. It doesn't mean there aren't turmoils going around you or things that are happening, but there's a peacefulness deep inside. And we're going to call that emotional health. All the joy of inner peace. Wouldn't that be great? There are actually so many religions out there that are trying to get to inner peace. Buddha is another thing they're talking about. Okay, we need that inner peace. We call it emotional healing. It's that sense of inner, a reduction in anger and anxiety, envy and jealousy. Those just kind of step one side and there's left with this sense of peace. The certainty that, that you can handle everything that comes your way. So there's no fear in the future. Because you know you can deal with it. And that's possible. Coming to that place of emotional healing that we call peace is absolutely possible, but not on our own. And not by following a list of and not by going out and getting a pet. Okay? Pets are wonderful. Might help. But they can't deal with the actual issue. The problem is a broken human nature, and we're going to have to have that taken care of. We can get there, but not on our own. Take a look at this passage. The mind of sinful man, it's us, is death. In other words, the emotional state of a human being apart from God is always going to lead to envy, discord, strife, these other things. It's just not going to be healthy. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is what? Life and Look at this. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and, and he says to them, Look, and may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you can't even explain it, when that emotional health is there for you, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. The peace of God of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the emotional healing that takes place guards our hearts and our minds and all those tendencies we have out there towards envy and anger and, and dissension and, and bitterness can all go away because of the peace of God that transcends all explanation and our ability to even describe it. That, my friends is emotional health. So how are you doing? I mean, now, honestly, how do you, you would say, yeah, there are times I'm there. There are times I'm complete, but there are times that I'm not. How are you doing with your emotional health? You growing in that, making progress? Huh. Write this down. This is important. Jesus cares about my emotional health. He does, Okay. Sometimes what we do is, is we think that Jesus only cares about our eternal souls. He came, he died, he rose again, and that's wonderful. We celebrate Christmas when he came. We celebrate Easter when he rose again. And now we, we have eternity and heaven, and our names are written in the book of life, and we go, hallelujah, thank you. But sometimes we think that's all that Jesus is really concerned about. Well, it may be the number one thing he's concerned about because it's eternal, but Jesus Christ is concerned about so much in our lives, including our emotional health. He doesn't want us to live in anxiety and fear and anger because he knows where all those lead. Take a look at what he said right here. 
What does he leave? Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I'm not going to give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Don't give in to that emotional unhealth. I'm going to leave you not just any old peace. I'm going to leave you my peace. And he didn't just care about it. It's one thing to care. Do you you care about all the children who are really hurting in Africa? And you say, yeah, I do care, but what are you doing about it? Well, most of us, nothing. We can't do anything about everything. We can't do something about everything out there. Some things we just can't do, but it doesn't mean we don't care. Jesus not only cares about your emotional health, he actually did something about it. Write this down. He came to bring me emotional health. Because he knows it's going to determine the quality of the rest of our lives right here. He didn't just come to remove my sins. That's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus, that you did. He didn't just come to write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you did. He came to actually do something about that crazy way I think. Those spirals that take me down. That emotional unhealth that's hurting me, my, me physically and hurting my relationships. He actually came to do something about it. Take a look at this passage. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, okay? You're going to have trouble. That doesn't mean it has to emotionally destroy you. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus came to overcome the world and to bring us peace and to say, let me help you with that emotional baggage that came into your life because of what we call original sin. We're all born with it. Paul tells us that it's even the point of the kingdom. Take a look at this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of what? Righteousness and peace. Where? And joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Right here now, the kingdom of God. Right here in this life, it means righteousness, peace, and joy, emotional amazing now for the rest of our time today and then continuing next week we don't have time to look at it all this week i want us to take a look at this because scripture actually is pretty clear about this one even though it doesn't use the word emotional health we're going to take a look at five steps towards emotional healing and health that the scriptures want us to take i can't deal with them all right now we're only going to deal with the first two because then the reason we're going to do these first two is if you don't do these first two it doesn't matter These are the first two things you need to do. Next week when you come back, then we're going to take a look at some of the practical things that the Word of God asks us to do to help in in establishing and maintaining this emotional health. The Word of God actually does speak about this, even though it doesn't use the word emotion. But that will be next week. The rest of our time today, we're going to take the first two steps, and here's the very first one. I put my trust in God. Jesus, if you don't do that, your relationship with God is not whole and healthy, and he can't help you. You're on your own. I put my trust in... Now, notice I didn't say I believe in Jesus. There are so many people out there who believe in Jesus, but they don't trust him. I didn't even say put your faith in Jesus, because that's a word that sometimes you don't really understand. I said you have to put your trust in Jesus. 
Let's see if I can give you a good example. Anybody ever bungee jumped? No bungee jumpers here? Nobody, huh? Now, let me tell you something. I've never bungee jumped, and I'll tell you why. I don't trust it. It's just that simple. Now, I know, intellectually, I believe that that bungee is strong enough. I do. And I watch other people do it, and I'll encourage them. Good luck. I have faith it'll work. I believe it'll work, but I don't trust it. So I won't jump. Maybe one day I will actually get to the point where I actually will put my trust in that bungee and give it a shot. Don't count on it. You see the difference? All of you sitting here believe bungee jumping works. I mean, you've seen it. You believe it. But getting up on that ledge, letting them tie that to your feet, and then taking the step off, that's a different story. That tells me whether you trust. And quite frankly, I don't trust that cord. So I don't do it. To really begin this step towards emotional healing, you can't just believe in Jesus Christ. You just can't have faith in Him. You've got to trust Him. You've got to put your whole life in His hands. You've got to be able to follow Him and hear what He's got to say and then do it. Know that He's not going to hurt you. What He's got to say is so important. You're going to build your life on it. You're not just going to talk about it, but you're going to get on that ledge and you're going to jump. And Jesus is the only thing holding you. When you do that, that's trust. And when that happens, when we really learn to trust Him, to take our lives and, 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 and put them completely in His hands, past, present, future, You know what you find? This is what you find. Take a look at this. Jesus is speaking. He says, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. And watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Trust in me, Jesus says, and I will bring you peace. An emotional healing that you so desperately need. But it doesn't come from just believing in Jesus. Satan believes in Jesus. It doesn't come from just having faith because you don't even know what that word really means. The best description is the word trust. Who's in control of my life? Who's really flying this plane? Remember the movie... Maybe you don't, maybe you've never seen it. God is my coal pile. I guess it was a movie that came out in 1945. It was about this, you know, World War II guy that was out there and survived so many encounters. And they asked him how, you know, God is my coal pile. It became a, 
a little bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot, but then someone realized that's not a really good saying, is it? Because what does it mean? It means that I'm in control of my life and God is kind of going along with the ride and if I ever need a little help, he'll step in. Which brought us to the much better bumper sticker that came out in the 70s and 80s. Did you see it? If God is your co-pilot, switch seats. That's what it means. Father, I don't want to run my life. I want you to run my life. And I need to learn how to do that. I need to learn how to look to your word and listen to your spirit and be surrounded by your people and, and to hear what you want me to do and then do it. I'm not looking just for your help or a couple words of advice every now and then or a little list that I can live by. I want to trust you with my life today and tomorrow and the day after that. When you get to that point, Jesus says, you know what I'm going to bring you? There's going to be a peace in your life you just never even realized. Because part of the anxiety you've got is you think you're in control and you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you're flying the plane, but no one ever taught you how to do it. That's a little scary. You see, this is what trusting Jesus Christ really does right here. Trusting in Jesus gives me hope. <laughs> and hope is the thing that I need more than anything else. Hope is the thing that gets us through all these issues. Hope in the future. Now, when we're talking about hope, remember, we've mentioned this before. We did a whole series on this one several months ago. When we're talking about biblical hope, we don't mean human hope or the cultural hope. Cultural hope does this. Fingers crossed. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. I hope I win the lottery, I hope I get a pony, I hope this, and I, that's not what biblical hope is. Biblical hope has no fingers crossed, none whatsoever. Biblical hope is certain about something you just don't have yet. You know you're going to get it. There's no doubt you're going to get it. You just don't have it yet. That is biblical hope. All of us here who know Jesus Christ, have the hope of heaven. Does that mean we're going, oh, I hope I make it to heaven. Boy, if you're there, come see me because you're in the wrong spot. I can show you how to uncross those fingers and to say, no, there's no hope here. I know it. I know heaven is waiting. I know eternal life is there. I just haven't received it yet because I'm here. My hope is in heaven, not because... I might get it. No, I know I'm going to get it. I just don't have it yet. And when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, there's a hope that comes into our life. A certainty that all of the issues I'm facing, all of the pain can be dealt with. All of the sin can be forgiven. All of the anxiety I'm feeling about an issue, you know my Father's got that under control. I have hope that Jesus will work it out for me somehow. Not, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. No. I know it. It just hasn't happened yet. The hope that each one of us, and when we give up hope, when we lose hope, we lose the will to live. There's no reason to go on, for there is no hope. In Jesus Christ, there is hope. 
It's that lack of hope that often destroys us. Take a look at this passage right here. Paul writes to the church of Rome and says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power. Let's read that together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope in God, hope in us, joy, peace. Why? Because I belong to God. I trust Jesus Christ. Yes, there's going to be problems and frustrations. And next week we'll be looking at ways to deal with all of those things. For Scripture's pretty clear. But my hope, not this, I hope I'm this, yes, my hope, my certain hope, is that my Father will walk me through all of it I'll be able to deal with it because he's going to help me do it. But remember the cause of our emotional unhealth? What was it? It was our broken human nature, wasn't it? All the suggestions we've talked about won't fix that. You can get a pet, you can do all of this stuff, but it won't fix that broken human nature. We're going to need real help to be able to do that. And when I receive, and here's what I want to do. See the rest of that verse right there? It leads us to this point right here. Ready? Next step I've got to do. Step number one was trust in Jesus. Step number two is this, right here. Receive and live in His Spirit. Now you see, actually, as we put our trust in Jesus Christ, this actually happens. As we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we're not only forgiven, we're not only removed from all of the guilt and shame that we had, but there is an infilling of the Spirit that's possible. Now, the Spirit of God, we actually have Him in a, in a different capacity than we ever had before. And we have to li- receive and live in it. And we have to be able to say, Spirit, I've, I know you're right here now, Father. I receive you into my life. I know you're right there, and I want to live that way. This is what the Bible says. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, it never said that the sinful nature is necessarily going to go all away. It just says you don't have to live that way. If you live in the Spirit, if you walk in the Spirit, all those inclinations of that sinful human nature, that dissensions and anger and strife, we don't have to live there. We don't have to. Many of us choose to live there. We'll talk about that next week. But I don't have to. Because if I live in the Spirit... I can overcome that emotional unhealth. I can overcome that way of thinking. I can overcome the spirals that have brought me down. Because the Spirit is going to help me do that. Because this is what happens. The Spirit, write this down, brings me real change and real help. And that's what I need in my life. Not advice. What I gave you earlier today was what a whole list of advice. Things that you could do. Good advice, follow the advice, not bad. But I don't really need advice. I need to be changed. And then I need help to keep that change going. And all the advice in the world won't change me and really won't help me. Ah. But a life trust in Jesus Christ, a life 
lived in His Spirit brings about not just advice, not just words of wisdom, but something that actually begins to change inside of me. That nature that started so broken, God starts to heal. And I begin to think a little differently. And I begin to think a little differently than my emotions begin to be a little different. And suddenly, you look back over months and years or even decades of walking with Jesus Christ and you go, what happened here? It's not just that I grew up. Because I've seen lots of people who grew up but didn't change. But you changed me. And then you helped me. See, Scripture does talk about the uh, emotional unhealth. We already looked at it. But let me show you what happens in the Spirit. This is what the Spirit of God brings. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what does that mean, fruit of the Spirit? If you have an apple tree, what's it going to produce? Plums, right? No, of course not. Oranges, no. The fruit of an apple tree is? The fruit of the Spirit living within us. When a person trusts Jesus Christ and begins to learn to walk and live in the Spirit, this is what happens. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Take all of those and put them in the phrase emotional health. As the inner person is changed and the person I am inside becomes whole and healthy, which means the person I live out of that is whole and healthy. This is what the Spirit does. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified that sinful nature with its passions and desires. When we walk in the Spirit, that old human nature that led to that emotional unhealth can be set aside, and the power of the Spirit brings us emotional health. Let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Let's stop for a second. Do you want that? I mean, think about this. Some people are so emotional and healthy, they don't even want this. They love their emotional and health. They love their anger. They love their bitterness. It's who they are. They don't want to give it up. I have nothing to say to people like that. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't give you any help whatsoever. I'm talking to the people who really want to do better, who want to get healthier. People who really want their inner life to be whole and healthy. Take it again from the top. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you want that? That's what we call being emotionally healthy. Now, you can come forward if you want, kneel at the altars, and pray about it, and boom, guess what? This isn't going to happen. It took a long time for us to get in the condition we're in. It's going to take a long time for God to get us out of that condition. He starts, though, the question is, as he started, have you started with him? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to jump off that ledge with him? Nothing but him. He's your bungee cord. You trust him. Your past, your present, your future. And are you willing, then, 
to let the Spirit begin to move and work in you. Are you going to give the, per, the Spirit permission this week, every time that emotional unhealth creeps up, to say to you, uh-uh-uh, not emotionally healthy, but I love it. I want to think those thoughts. I really want to think those thoughts right now. No, no, no. Next week, we're going to look at what the Bible says, the practical things that we can do. It's there. Trust me. Come on back. I'll prove it. But here's where it starts. So here's the question. Do you trust in Jesus? I mean, really trust in Him. Or is your trust more of a belief? Well, if it's more of a belief, the Scripture will say, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's wonderful. Maybe your, your name's written in the book of life. That's great. Love it. See you in heaven. But all the things you really want done in your life aren't going to work like that. It's got to be trust. And you're going to have to be open to what His Spirit says to you this week. You're going to have to accept the fact, I'm not emotionally healthy, Father. Sometimes my inner life doesn't match my outer life. And Father, sometimes that's the way I want it. I'm sorry. I need your help to be a little more emotionally healthy. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died for us and that, that salvation is so simple. We believe in you and we confess our sins and we receive your forgiveness and that's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. But, Father, sometimes we leave it right there and there's so much more because, Jesus, you died not just to bring us eternal life in heaven. You died to bring us healing right here and right now. And, and that includes our inner life, how we think, our emotions. And forgive us for the times, Father, that um, we've indulged those emotions and we've maintained our anger and our bitterness because we wanted to. Even though it was poisoning us and our relationships, we, we wanted to be angry and we wouldn't give it up. Even though we know your Spirit was saying to give it up. We've got a long way to go, Father. Thank you for your forgiveness. And, Father, thank you for the fact that you're not asking for perfection right now. You're asking us to be a little healthier. And our step this morning is to trust you. And this week, to listen to your spirit. Father, at least once this week, give us the courage to hear from your spirit about changing how we think and what we're feeling. Thank you, Lord. For those who are going to help me with communion, if you would come forward, please. I'd love to talk to you more about this. Uh, I'd love to do that more than almost anything else that I do. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the church, I would love to do that more than anything else I do. Only my own family would I prefer. I love them, and I love to be with them. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, it's what I love. You're not bothering me. You know, Pastor, can we get together and talk? And you think you're taking me away from something. You may be. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Because what you're taking me away from is not really important and probably doesn't bring me a whole lot of joy. 
it's spreadsheets and budgets and managing and running the whole organization and I'd be so happy for her not to do that again, but I'll tell you what would bring me a lot of joy. Sitting down with you, talking about trusting him, hearing your story. I'll buy the coffee. I'll even buy a pastry to go with it. How's that? You're not bothering me. You're setting me free and doing the thing that I really love to do. You know my email. Doug at SalemFirst.com, Pastor at SalemFirst.com, Doug Bailey at SalemFirst.com. Any of those work. Call me. Call my secretary. And if you don't want to talk to me, which is understandable, talk to Matt. He's a good guy. He's probably less offensive than I am, you know. He's a nicer guy. Talk to Matt. Talk to Caleb. But you know you need the healing. Let's get it done. We're going to move into what we call our Selah time. Selah just means we're going to think about it. At the end of almost every service, we take what, what God has said to us and we give him a few moments to speak and maybe bring out an action step that we want to do. Or it could just be that this is the time that you want to spend specifically in prayer. And would you be praying specifically for Tracy as she continues in her journey? We've walked with her. If her journey continues, lift her up in the Lord Jesus Christ. We do serve open communion here, which means you can be a first-time visitor and receive the element that's completely up to you. Many people come every week, some every now and then. That's up to you. We're going to listen to a, a great song called Beautiful Things. It just talks about the fact that God looks at the ugliness that I brought him, and he does something so beautiful out of that. And when the song's done, we'll be done, we'll be going home. Let's well, give him this time. And the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. And the same way after supper, he took the cup and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and he said, this cup is the new covenant, my blood shed for forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. For as often as you do eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you remember the Lord's death till he come again. Father, this time is yours. Spirit, we're going to be quiet. We're going to listen to a great song. We're going to give you an opportunity to speak to our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for making it all possible through your obedience on the cross, your death and resurrection. Amen.